Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. That's a very, uh, you know, interesting song to think about it even, because so often you drive around and you certainly see people all over the place that uh, really need the Lord, need Him bad. Uh, it's a good one for us to continue to think about and remember uh, each and every day. As we continue our uh, study on the, uh, which by the way, uh, on the Christmas tree, I think you're going to put it up next Sunday, so... Those of you, is that correct? Or is it going to be Wednesday you going to put it up? Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. So those of you, I'm sure she would uh, like some help putting it up, so they'll put it up before I church. I volunteers so far. You have how many? None. None. Okay. So I how about... Okay. 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 So, so which, which door are you going to be at? Okay. And I just want to let them know, because that way they'll know which door to go in or go out of. They'll know which one to go in. Uh, but seriously, we, we do like to uh, put it up in time to remember not just Thanksgiving, but also at Christmas. Uh, continuing our study on Paul, if you remember, we were on the fifth one. If you remember, we started with the goads that God basically used, whether it's Scripture or whether it was Stephen or who it was. And God can do the same in our life. It really can bring things to mind to, to goad us to do what's right. He also had the solitude where he was off by himself. I think a lot of times we need the solitude really to, to listen to what the Lord's saying to us rather than everybody else. In silence, so often we uh, really have trouble with silence on our culture, the radio. Something's got to be on all the time, as well as sleep. He then had independence. Paul was set free, but then he would, uh, also had to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, but then also in dependent with other believers in order to work. It's not just a one-man show. Uh, we saw the team of the second fiddle. If you think about with uh, Barnabas and Aquila and Priscilla, they were willing to take second place so far as the world would look at it, but they had a phenomenal ministry working together. And then we saw the uh, two weeks ago the one about no little people. And you look at so many that are in Paul's life, you think of Phoebe that's carrying the letter in the, home, in the church that was in her home. You think of Tychicus and basically the mail carrier carrying all the different letters that he carried, different ones, scripture, how reliable you'd have to be, and then filling in whenever, for whether it be for Timothy or Titus to, to go to see Paul, you'd have to be a capable person to do that also. So you think about that. Today I'd like to uh, examine... Uh, Pliable and yet rigid. Uh, pliable and yet uh, rigid. And thinking about when it comes to the part of Paul, in one way I can illustrate it. At work, we have uh, I have obviously oil pumps, small oil pumps that are used, and it floats on the bottom. We have coil tubing that has to float up and down four feet. So it has to be pliable enough in order for the float to pull it up and down. But it has to be rigid enough in order for it not to collapse when suction is on it. But what happens over a little bit of time with chemicals going through it and weather getting to it, 
what, what do you think happens to it? Becomes hard and it no longer floats up and down, therefore it's tucking water, or the wrong chemicals going through it, and it will collapse. And I think the same thing is true in our life. We, how many times are we pliable when we should be rigid, and we are rigid when we should be pliable? So I want to look at it just in Paul's life, the pliability of with Paul, and then also his rigid. And part of this will be a review. Look over, we're starting the book of Acts in chapter 13. In Acts 13, you think about it, Paul had been at uh, Antioch. That's uh, where he'd been serving and been doing well. The ministry is going well. And uh, you think about it, how have you finally get your dream job? And that's kind of what you're really doing well. He's, you know, everything's going well. Ministry's growing. Everything's doing well. And you think about it, <clears throat> First one would be the pliability with ministry. You have it's interesting, there's five in verse one, there's five individuals who are serving on this team. And notice it's interesting when they uh, get the ministry change, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them. Then they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. They sent them away. Now, how would you feel if you were the church and you just lost 40% of your team? And how important is Paul and Barnabas to your team? And how would you feel if you were the three that were already there before they came and then why were you not called? They are called, just not called to do the missionary work, but call to serve where they're at. And I think it's important for us, to, and just on the ministry part, I think it's very important to think about it. They were being open. And notice they immediately, when it happened, while they're ministering, how many people are basically saying, well, when the Lord finally you know, really shows me what to do, I'll do it, but we don't do anything in the meantime. The Lord's going to call people as they're already serving and they're faithful. Why should he give you some a, another job or a bigger job if you're not doing anything right now? In fact, when you want to get a job done, do you give it to somebody who's busy or somebody who has all the time in the world? When you give it to one who has all the time in the world, what often happens is it doesn't get done. But it's interesting when you look at it, I think it's on the ministry part, am I serving where I'm at? You know, it's a good question to ask. If God God calls another, will I support their endeavor? What happens if God all of a sudden different people here and it's happened? I've had people that friends of ours and moved to Owasso and you're all excited. All right, they can come help us at Dalton Hill. What happens when the Lord lays it on their heart to go to a different church? Well, God wants them at the other church, and that's where they need to be. Uh Am I willing to stay and serve where I'm at? How many times do you think, well, I, that should have been me? Well, we have to allow the Holy Spirit. So I have to be pliable to be moved, but I have to be pliable to let God move others. Because obviously, you're losing some great people when they are then called to go somewhere else. And it's hard. So you think about it just on the ministry part. What about the location? Look over in Acts 16, which we've also seen before. So they're on their missionary journey in Acts 16, and they're going along, and you get to verse 6, and they're going through, which would be Asia Minor, 
And it says the Holy Spirit forbid them to speak in Asia. Well, aren't they supposed to be going where the ministry, where nobody has been? And they're going, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says no. And you notice they tried to go in verse 8, they tried to go, or verse 7, they tried to go somewhere else in Asia and Minor, and they were told no. And then you'll notice in verse 9, a vision comes to Paul about the, what we often call the Macedonian call, and it says, uh, the angel basically says, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he gets it, and the next morning he tells the rest of them in verse 10 that he'd seen the vision. It's interesting in verse 10, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. So notice, I think it's important on the pliable, when God's showing someone else something that maybe the church should do or something else, are we open to listen to what they have to say? I think it's often, it's interesting, they're willing to change locations. That wasn't their plan. Okay, is that going to cost money? A lot of different cultural things are getting go from Asia Minor, from Turkey basically, to going to Greece. A lot of different things are going on. And they're willing to make that move. So I think it's interesting. They're pliable so far as ministry goes. They're pliable on location. Uh, and I think it's interesting what they had. The messengers was the Holy Spirit and Paul. And notice the message then was for all of them to go and to preach. It wasn't just Paul then. But a question you can ask, am I open to changing plans? How many of you is there a change of plans, but you are dead set on your plans? And no matter what, you are going to follow that plan. How well did it work out? I think it's interesting too, am I open to the Holy Spirit's leading? Or what about a voice of a brother or a sister? I think you need to do this, or maybe you ought to consider this. Uh, I remember a book that Jean and I were assigned way back in 1974, I believe it was, 75. I Don't Feel Called, Thank the Lord. That was the name of the book. I don't remember much about the book, but I do remember the title real well. And basically it was saying that, you know, you don't feel like you're called to missions, therefore, but all of us are called to different things. And so I think it's interesting. So notice that he was pliable with ministry. He's pliable with location. What about people? How pliable are we with people? If you remember in the century in Acts, just turn back one uh, chapter. If you remember that the uh, in chapter uh, actually in chapter thirteen, if you remember when they were there and they were called, they took John Mark with them. And if you remember in John uh, in chapter thirteen and in chapter fourteen, you will remember that he leaves. He and he leaves and he goes back to Jerusalem. And when you get to chapter 15, if you notice in verse 36, they want to go back and visit the churches on a second missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas said, let's return. This is verse 36 of chapter 15. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing, which would be very good. You want to follow up new believers. Barnabas was desiring to take John, called Mark, along with him. Paul kept insisting they should not take him who had deserted them, and had not gone on with them in the work. Obviously resulting in sharp disagreement, Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyprus, and Paul takes Silas. 
So notice then, what about John Mark? How did Paul feel about John Mark? Remember, he was called the under-oarsman. He was a helper. He was with us a while, and he deserted. Now, we're not told exactly why he deserted. Some will say homesick. Some was, you think about it, the train and everything else they're in, it's a little more than the young man wanted to do. And left, we don't know. So here Paul wants to, and he takes him. Barnabas takes him, then he goes off. We don't hear any more about him for ten years. Although he wrote, he writes the book of, uh, you know, with the Holy Spirit, the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 4, you find of Colossians. Let's see what happens next. Paul writes from prison. In Colossians chapter 4. Notice in verse 10 and 11. Aristarchus, this is Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, and that's talking about Colossians, who's been Asia Minor, if he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only fellow workers from the kingdom of God who are of the circumcised, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Quite a bit of change that you have between them. Now I think it's interesting, obviously John Mark has proved himself, and he is in Rome, so and he obviously he is John Mark has been working and serving with Paul, and it says if he comes to Asia Minor to welcome him, he is He's a proven soldier for the Lord. Now, obviously, it shows that he's pliable with people, talking about Paul. Hey, he wasn't any good, but hey, over the last 10 years, he's demonstrated himself, and he is good. How many of us are so set in our way, somebody screws up, and that's it? Or maybe they did 10 times, and we're not open to what the Holy Spirit can do in their life. Now, obviously, he's demonstrated himself. Now it's interesting, look at the uh, Second Timothy chapter 4, the last book that Paul writes before his death, which had been a year or two later after this, when he, gets, he was released and then he was imprisoned again. Chapter 4 and verse 11. He's writing, and if you remember, uh, he's at, Timothy is at Ephesus, which again is Asia Minor. So you remember Mark went to Colossae, which is in Asia Minor, just not far away from Ephesus. And then notice what happens in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Talk about in Rome. Pick up Mark, bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Well, now what does that say about Paul? But what does it also say about John Mark? He has to be pliable too. Why? If you're serving in Asia Minor, now Paul needs you. Okay. I feel like that's where I need to go. I'm going to leave Asia Minor and make that long trip all the way over. You think just if you went by the way a plane flies, do you realize there's over almost 1,400 air miles that Paul traveled just that's directly reported in the book of Acts? Now, you at least double that if you're actually on a, a trail. And that's John Foot. You think about all those miles of walking in the trains. That's just amazing. We just think, well, they just jumped on a plane, flew over here, or a bus, or whatever, a car, or whatever. No. So you think about this. He's pliable with ministry. 
He's serving one place, and God says go somewhere else. He's also just in ministry. One ministry, one location, when also then with people. Same thing I think happens with another person we'll look at. Look over in 1 Corinthians 3. What about Apollos? So you notice I think sometimes it's easier on someone, but he also did it with Apollos. He did it with a lot of them, but look what he does with Apollos. I think it's interesting. So if you remember, he recognized that Yes, John Mark did desert, but he demonstrated himself, and he's useful, I need to accept him, and we can work great as a team. In 1 Corinthians 3, it's interesting, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, God caused the growth. Okay? What's, his, what's Paul's role? He planted, and he recognized Apollos had a different role. But they both are needed. We need the same. We need to recognize we have different roles. And I think it's important. Sometimes I think people also think that Paul basically was like a dictator and ran everything. That's not the case. Look over in chapter 16 of Corinthians. And we'll see why I say that in verse 12. 1 Corinthians 16, 12. Remember they have a collection they're taking up. When it gets to verse 12... Because Apollos and Paul, remember Paul was at Corinth for 18 months. Apollos was there as well serving. Gets to verse 12 of of chapter 16. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren. But it was not at all his desire to come now, but he'll come when he has opportunity. Okay, so Paul wanted him to come, but what did it wasn't. Apollos didn't feel like it was God's directing for him to come now, but he'll come when he can later. I think that's pliable too. How many of us think that we know what's best for everybody and I can plant you and I'm Glenn, you need to go over here and Grady, you need to go over here? No. We can make those suggestions, but it's up to the Holy Spirit to really direct people. And we have to be pliable enough to recognize the Holy Spirit has to move. Because if I move them and not the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? And they're going to do the ministry under whose strength. I think it's important if they're out of the will. So I think it's interesting. Am I willing to do my part in ministry and allow others to do theirs their way and in their time? How many of us have a, think our way is the only way? And how many of you find the older you get, the more rigid you become? And I think it's important for us to recognize we need to be pliable. We need to be pliable. And so you think about it, we need to be pliable in ministry. I'm serving here, but God may, may be a different ministry within the same place. Or it may be in a different location God wants to move. And I need to be behind any of those that God's moving other places or moving myself. Or I need to be pliable with people. God can change people. And how many times do you and I, because of somebody's past, think that they'll never change? They can, with God's help. And also, I think one that we hadn't looked at, it's interesting. Look over, the fourth one would be in 1 Corinthians 9. If you remember verse 10 and 11, Paul makes the statement, To the Jew I become what? A Jew. And to the Gentile. What does he mean by that? If he was with the Jew, do you think Paul, do you think he's going to eat pork? But if he was with the Gentile, what do you think might happen if they served? Or, you know, whatever it might be. Cultural-wise, you're the same thing with the, uh, 
with the keeping of the different uh, things that they have. When you go overseas or go anywhere else, you're going to find the same thing true. Uh, when I was in India, I, I, I had to wear a collared shirt. If you taught, you had to wear a collared shirt. My dad was doing construction, so he could wear a collarless shirt to go outside and work on cabinets and do all that kind of stuff. But if you walked into the classroom, you had to have a collar on. Now what difference does it make when it's 100 degrees outside and there's no air conditioning? So the one day that I didn't teach, the last day that I was there, all my shirts were dirty except for one collarless shirt, so that's what I wore. And what do you think happened when I walked in? They actually walked up to me and grabbed my collar and go, no. So what do you do? You go back and put on a dirty collared shirt and now they're happy. Well, okay, that's just their culture. Okay, the same thing that happened, G and I invited, there's a, a person that worked for me, a, a good friend and uh, wasn't a believer from a Muslim background. We invited him to take them out to eat and their kids are close to the same age ours or we didn't even think about it. And we took them out, we had the kids to the house, we ordered pizza. He's Muslim. We ordered pepperoni pizza for the kids. When we got back, what do you think happened? Our kids ate pizza, and what do you think his kids did? They didn't eat it. I didn't even think about it. Because it was, it was a pork, and they weren't going to touch it. And so we have to think ahead the best that we can. With, and you're going to find that anywhere you go, certain cultural things. Uh, and since we have so many cultures in our society today, we have to be careful too on some of the different things. So we have to be pliable, whether it's through ministry, location, with people, or culture, we have to be pliable. But what about being rigid? We also need to talk about that. I think it's interesting. And you think about it, in uh, Galatians chapter 1, you'll find a couple of them here in Galatians. Starting in verse 6 down to verse 9 in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Galatians 1, chapter, verse 6. <clears throat> Notice in verse 6, I'm so amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a dis different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturb disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we were an angel, even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you we have preached to you, let him be accursed. We have said before, and so I say again: if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. Is he pretty rigid? Yes. The gospel of Christ, salvation is by grace. Period. Don't be. So I think there's a time when we need to be pliable. But there's also a time where we have to be very rigid. When it comes to the preaching of the gospel, we have to be very rigid. Another part of the rigid on the preaching part you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's interesting when you look at it, because I think it's oftentimes we don't think about this in 1 Corinthians 2. When we think about it, 
from verse 1 down to verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 2, Paul makes this statement. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. But I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. How many times today are we caught up in all the oratory abilities of whoever speaking? We usually are. We are caught up in all the oratory, not with the message. Paul wanted to be very simple, or anybody could understand it. It wasn't in his delivery. He even says, I am not a great speaker. I'm not a great orator. But I don't want you to be otherwise. If it's in oratory, you rely on Paul until what happens. The next great orator comes along, and then what happens? You go to them. You keep going to the different ones, which is what's happening so much today. But he's very rigid on the gospel. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Salvation is always the same. Old Testament, New Testament, always my faith. Always my faith. And so I think it's interesting. That's what we need to be rigid on. What does the Word of God say? And in our preaching, uh, it's important, but also in our practice. Uh, we'll finish up in Galatians chapter 2. We need to be rigid in our preaching, so far as what we say the Word of God says, but also in our practice. And I think we often have a hard time with that in Galatians chapter 2. You notice Cephas or Peter, depending on where he, this is in verse 11, his preaching was always by grace, but notice sometimes his practice. What happens in verse 11? When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, this is Galatians 2 and verse 11, because he stood condemned. For prior to coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with Gentiles. Well, when they came, he became he began to withdraw and held himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcised. The rest of the Jews joined in his hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Okay, so they're associating Peter, Barnabas, when they're with the Gentiles, they're eating with Gentiles, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, the Jews come and they start segregating away and aren't fellowshiping. So in practice, they weren't saying that we're all equal and so on, which is obviously they are. We also can easily get caught up in that. And so I think it's interesting, are we rigid in our preaching, but we don't want to be rigid in our practice so far as not allowing others to be part. And quite often we, we, uh, we can be. The question I can ask you, am I convinced about the teaching of the Bible? Am I convinced about the teaching? Do I practice what I profess? The question I can, you know, am I rigid where I should be pliable, and am I pliable where I should be rigid? I think that's often the case we get. In our culture in the last 30 years, what's probably the most divisive thing that's happened in the Southern Baptists of dividing churches? Would you I say music? Charismatic. Okay, can be charismatic. You also, be, you also have, I think, the music part of it. How many churches have gone because one wants the more contemporary and one wants the traditional? And what is that? 
on the music part, what does that have to do with doctrine? As long as they're obviously singing the Word of God and so on. Well, we can so often get really messed up with that. Uh, today we're getting into a lot of the stuff that should be rigid on that we are becoming more pliable and we're going down a road that don't even resemble what we once held to. So think about it if we go through it. Am I pliable in ministry? Am I pliable in location? What about people? By the way, how about we try to change people instead of letting God change people? You know, if you try to be what everybody wants you to be, what's going to happen? You have to be what God wants you to be. Serving where He wants you to. Remembering the culture, not to overstep where we're at. And then also just being rigid in what does the Word of God say and making sure my practice is matching what I profess. So, that's why I think the 591, do we really believe He is the potter and I'm the clay? We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.